This episode of the On The Radar Podcast is brought to you by Laserlight Recording Studio in Waterville, Ohio. The world is calling. Pick it up. Welcome to another home edition of the On The Radar Podcast. This is a podcast that features music, studio performances, and artists from acts coming to, through, and from the greater Midwestern areas. My name is Peapod. I am home, sweating my ass off in my studio uh, here in Northwest Ohio. Thanks so much for listening in. Very excited to once again dive into one of a uh, very interesting uh, genres of music, which is post-rock. And uh, this time, we're actually heading to the east of us, a Portland, Maine act uh, rising in uh, this genre. This world has bees. Great name. Three of the four members are with us uh, over a video conference. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time out and talking with us. I know uh, things have been tough uh, due to, uh, you know, uh, the virus, uh, but I'm glad you guys can uh, just sit down and uh, speak with us. Take a moment, introduce yourselves, tell us what you do in the band. Uh, sure, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Brandon Clements. I am one of two guitar players. Um, Keith McBride, I'm the other guitar. Drew Dickinson, I play bass. And the drummer apparently could not make it uh, today, so... Uh... Bill is a mystery. Yes. <laughs> He's a, Bill Bill lives in the mountains and comes and goes as he pleases. Uh, that's kind of his personality, and that is not a joke. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, does he literally, literally live in the mountains? Uh, for a lot of days of the week, Bill is very much up a mountain somewhere. He enjoys his time. That's his kind of, uh, his me time is Zen. mountains. Yeah, that's his I re- thing. I respect that. I, I, I completely understand. I wouldn't mind going to the mountains and getting away from all of this as as of late. Um, you know, where's the headspace of you guys right now during all this? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about, like, current events, obviously. We are, yeah. you know, God knows what month we're into uh, a global virus going right now that has literally shut down the world. Um, you guys are out of Maine. How has Maine kind of uh, treated uh, uh, all of this? And uh, what is your guys' response, feelings on everything right now? Well, I think that Maine has fared a lot better than a lot of other places. We're kind of at the we're at the end of the line for everything, all the way yeah. up the East Coast. Yeah. The nearest, you know, larger metropolitan area to us is Boston, and and we're pretty well insulated from them. So we've actually kept the virus pretty well under control. We've had some smaller outbreaks, and um, and from what I've seen, the people here have been pretty good about wearing masks and being compliant with you know things that'll help keep it under wraps. But the big we're a tourist destination especially for the summer um, to a lot of other northeastern states like Connecticut, New York, and Massachusetts and the big concern is what's going to happen when people from other places start to, to, to flood in but it's been all things considered I mean uh, Brandon I think maybe this hits a little bit closer to home for you than it does the rest of us but um, we've been we've been okay 
you know, uh, health-wise, economically, we've definitely taken our hits uh, because of uh, what it's done to the tourism traffic. But um, we've been okay. We're doing all right. Okay, yeah, comparatively. Yeah, yeah, comparatively is a, is a really good distinction. I, I, I would say that uh, I'm thankful enough to be employed. Uh, Keith is the same. Uh, Bill, our drummer, is the same. And I don't know if it was due to COVID or not, but uh, Drew, did you get laid off due to the virus? Due to COVID, yeah. Yeah. No, And I worked at a hospital, and nobody wants to go to the hospital when they're afraid of COVID, even in far northern Maine, where they've only had two cases total. So yeah, no, I was doing no the elect- records for the hospital. So there's no elective it. surgeries. There's you know, very few doctor's appointments. And as Keith mentioned earlier, it's a big tourist state. So, you know, you go to the, you drive by the beach, which we have a giant coastline. Um, there's a lot of those license plates with nobody social dista- distancing. So I feel like it, it, it kind of comes down to just waiting it out. Uh, we do have fairly good testing here. Uh, so uh, we're just kind of seeing, well, I mean, how about, how about Ohio? Ohio just fairly recently, at the time of this recording, just implemented a mask mandate. Uh, so all public places, you have to wear a mask no matter what. Um, I know there was a level system of like which counties are a lot worse off than others. Uh, in the county we are in, we are like uh, like almost to the highest level, unfortunately, of uh, with everything. Uh, but it's all fluctuated, and our our, and our governor is doing. At the beginning, our governor was uh, very uh, very good at like shutting things down early and making sure everything was going on. And then there was a lot of issues and a lot of people protesting our uh, the head of the doctor, uh, the like basically uh, the governor's right hand woman. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, uh, really depended on, a, a, a doctor, like the head of the medical facility. I forget what their, t- her title was, but she ended up stepping down. And that's oh, when wow. I feel like everything, well, cause uh, people ended up starting protesting in front of her house cause they didn't Personal. like what's going on. And, and we're like, but it's science, like it's for your health. And like, I got really irritated with that. And now, uh, I feel like, uh, towards the, I don't know. I don't even call it the finish line of this. We're going on right now. In in my opinion, I think our governor's really fumbled the ball. Uh, for all you sports fans out there, whatever that you know that reference. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like he's he's tripping up on the little small things. I think the mask mandate will help, uh, no matter what people feel about it. Um, I I'm lucky, like I said uh, in pri- previous episodes. I personally am very lucky to still work. Uh, in the radio industry, my job is definitely is taking some hits. Our company has released some people, uh, my own, uh, on a national scale and my own, uh, cluster in Toledo has released a couple of people. My job has changed a little bit for, uh, some for the good. Uh, so it, it's just a really weird time in these unprecedented times, as people like to say, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, I, I couldn't agree more. The, the strangest thing about the whole thing is, is right when all this broke in the United States, um, in March, I had to go for a family emergency. My, my, I'm originally from out West. I was born and raised in Texas and went to college in New Mexico. Um, so I had to go out there for a family emergency. And that was right as the United States started taking it, quote unquote, seriously. Um, and the massive difference in culture from Maine, which is a small population in a big state, to out West, where it's much more dense, like Dallas. Um, as a matter of fact, when my wife and I landed in the DFW airport, we were greeted by uh, 15 Texas DPS agents, which are pretty much the state police in Texas, all masked up. They made us write an affidavit that we were either going to quarantine or immediately leave the state since we came from New England. And uh, it was, I, I've, I've been in DFW a lot in my life. 
uh, completely empty. We had to go through JFK completely empty. It was like the movie 28 weeks later, um, or 28 days later, rather, when he wakes up in the hospital and there's nobody and nothing. That was those two airports to a T. It was just me and my wife and the people that were taking your tickets. That's got to be creepy. Like, I barely yeah. left. I, I mean, I barely I barely leave the state as it is just due to everything. Uh, time, energy, money, whatever. Uh, but, like, leaving the city uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw my brother get married. And it's just, it's so weird just how, how everybody has responded and everything. It, it really is, like, you read about this in, like, history yeah. of, like, how it responded. Now put it into modern times and, like, the modern conveniences. And all of a sudden you strip those things away and now everybody starts freaking out. So everybody starts panicking. Everybody starts rioting for some of the, uh, uh, without the social, social issues aside, a lot of people are getting upset about the simple things. They couldn't get a haircut. They couldn't yeah. go to their favorite restaurant. It was just really ridiculous how a lot of people responded to it. Um, you know, with what is going on now on a social political scale, and even at the time of this recording, Portland is dealing with major issues that the yeah. government is sending out, you know, armed forces and and counter, you know, counterterrorism units and whatnot for for um, protests that have turned real ugly. Some could argue for the good. Some could argue for uh, the uh, for worse. Uh, that's another just conversation here or there. <laughs> um, and it's just it's just insane about what's going on. Just it's just it's just a head scratcher. The only thing I can wish for is just to continue. Hoping for the best, really. Yeah, especially I don't know what uh, I don't know what Ohio's political climate is like, but I would say that Maine is uh, very solid purple. Would you guys agree? Uh, <laughs> depends no. on it depends on no. where you are. It depends yeah, on part like, of the state. Like Portland is very blue, but everywhere else, like people call Maine the South of the North, and they aren't wrong. People fly Confederate flags up here, and that um, and that drives me insane. We're in Ohio, and there are. A lot of Confederate yeah. flag wa- uh, waving, and Ohio has always been a swing state, but it always seems to end up swinging red uh, uh, for a lot of elections um, and a lot of things. It's always been one of those big states that every politician is going to come to, and everybody's going to say, say their two cents because it's Ohio, and we're one of like five states that can decide the election. And it's just it's really annoying, and I'm just over it. <laughs> the only claim, the only claim to fame I think Maine has politically is that we actually have an independent Angus King. Um, a lot of other states don't ever vote anybody independent into Congress or the Senate. Vermont, or at all. Bernie Sanders, oh, Vermont, right? Vermont, same yeah. thing, yeah. But right, North New, New England, England. <laughs> yeah, New England. Uh, there you go. So, um, yeah, it's it's a strange time. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and I went to the protest, the social ones, uh, mm-hmm. right when they started as well, um, and it was crazy to see white, um, just how many people are in Maine that are white, especially being from the South myself and having kind of like a melting pot. Mm-hmm. Um, Maine's 95% white in population. So yeah. we are the, we are the whitest. Actually, it might be 97. Or, yeah, it could even well be, yeah. but it's so, it's so peculiar to see in a good way. We went down to Portland, Maine, which is our biggest city of 60,000 people. Um, and uh, just to see the support from that sort of thing in the face of COVID um, was, was really kind of like tugs at your heartstrings. Yeah. It's heartening. I think that's really good, especially with uh, going right now and, and all the togetherness that we that we really need. And I, I was planning on going to uh, a Black Lives Matter uh, protest here in Ohio uh, about a month or so ago, but due to family 
uh, commitments and everything. I didn't end up going, but I'm kind of glad I didn't because apparently police was was sent out, riots happened, tear gas, wooden pellets, things like. I knew a lot of good people, a lot of mm-hmm. my friends who've gotten real hurt from that stuff, so it didn't help the the climate. Yeah, uh, I, I always like that. to say that Maine is like an island. Like we we see a lot of this stuff, we hear a lot about it in the U.S., but then it never comes here. We're we're just kind of isolated here in the cold, dark north. And uh, it's very rare if something ever happens here. Uh, I don't think anybody, well, I can't say everybody, but I, I don't think anybody I know has a complete disdain for like law enforcement because they're. My, I live in a town that doesn't even have police. Like, there's nobody here. Like, it's a it's technically a village. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, we just don't deal with those sort of things. I'll also mention Maine is pretty progressive on certain things. Like, for example, we've already implemented ranked choice voting, which I'm a huge yeah, advocate yeah. for, which yeah, yeah. helped break that two party monopoly that exists on our political system that causes so much of the destruction of civil discourse and the inability of, of anybody to be a moderate and actually appeal to, you know, what's best for the for the for the people, you know, instead of just trying to appeal to the extremes of the two, the extreme left and the extreme right. So that's huge. And it's taking off. And there's other places that have done it, but nobody yet has implemented it on as wide a scale as Maine. And also, um, kind of to the point earlier, how we're pretty purple, Maine is one of only two states that allows uh, in presidential elections to split their electoral vote. So in the last election, one electoral vote from Wayne, Maine went to Hillary Clinton and one went to Donald Trump. And with that one vote being for Clinton being from the south of the state and that one vote for Donald Trump coming from the congressional district, that's primarily the north and the west of the state. Um, so I think Kansas is the only other state or maybe Nebraska, one of the only other states that allows that to split. But I think, you know, why do we have to have winner take all in states? You know, if we're going to hang on to an electoral college. I'm going to get on a soapbox now. but No, it's um, fine. <laughs> is that what this podcast is for? Is this the soapbox? This I mean, the it can. Tower? It can did, we be. Sign, did we sign up for the political podcast? It was the right one, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I call myself a, a militant moderate, you know, and, uh, and um, I, I strongly believe in things not being extreme. Um, so, but I, I, that's kind of a joke, but I do really believe in ranked choice voting. I think that's one of the only ways that we can really break through a lot of the the stranglehold that these two BS political parties seem to have over everything right now. And it's not serving anyone but themselves. Uh, And I absolutely agree. I think uh, it's getting worse and worse uh, by the election year. And even with, with everything that's happened with the, 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 the election of Donald Trump and how much backlash and, and how much the American almost whipped lashed backwards a couple of decades in, you know, in, in social and political stances that it's, it's really concerning. And if this happened anywhere else, in the world, the U.S. would be coming in guns ablazing, literally and figuratively. But now it's happening in our own backyard. So who saves us? You know, is the idea of who watches the Watchmen idea? You know, who saves the the so-called superheroes of the world, one of the most powerful countries in the in the world, allegedly? You know, who saves us if we're broken? Well, you, you know, know, it's funny because identity politics tends to lend itself. Um, to the extremes, as Keith was saying. And unfortunately, when you have to govern such a big place with so many different ideologies, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's a melting pot, um, we've always just played identity politics with no real substance. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, it's more about who you can appease and where you kind of go from there. And there's, it's it's almost like it's just districts that do well and carry the rest of the country. And you have to 
placate to those people and the rest of us kind of get left behind and i feel like that's where you get a rise to something that's happening now a lot of people are disenfranchised and they're mad which led to the election of our current president and then um, a lot of people are disenfranchised and mad because that president got elected so you're you're kind of fighting the same war um and a lot of us can just sit back and watch and that's not something that i'd like to say lightly but that's kind of the, the climate we live in uh it's 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 really sad to just be like, I guess I'm just part of history. I'm not taking part in history. A lot of us are just part of it. I feel, I just feel like it's at that time. Like I feel I, I made a joke that like, I think this whole, like in the whole self quarantine and the pandemic has really turned me into an anarchist that I'm just ready to just burn it all down, scorch earth policy. And just like, let's rebuild from here. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. I used to live in Portland, uh, Oregon, actually I was in Beaverton, but, uh, yeah, they, they, that was during what Occupy Wall Street, and um, I, I didn't take part in any of those because I'd left right after they had happened or they had started. But my God, um, the, Portland really knows how to burn stuff to the ground. That's kind of what they're known for. <laughs> let's go. Let's let's get it. And uh, there was a note that you you were talking about, Brandon, about how like Maine is in in the, in the cold dark north of the country, and I'm gonna I'm gonna veer this in back into the music. So when it comes to this type of music and to this post rock scene, you know, America as it is is starting to build up its own post rock scene with a lot of the great acts that we've featured here and amongst everything else that have uh, taken place across the country. And that style of music, especially with like the uh, the creation of the post festival in America, uh, which is, you know, for people who are unfamiliar with that, that was a, uh, two day festival, uh, of all just post related music, post rock metal, whatever ambient. Uh, and that happened for two years. Originally it was, uh, it was supposed to happen this year as well, but everything got canceled and, um, it became like the American dunk festival, which I don't know mm. how long dunk has been going on for a while, but uh, Dunk Festival was the international scene of all post rock, you know, uh, in the you know, for lack of a better term, post world genres came and performed on that that huge stage. So when it came to this type of music in Maine, what brought you guys to the table, Drew? I feel like that's a good question for you. Uh, what like what brought us to post rock? In yeah, general? what why or why choose this music? Where where was the start of this world has bees as well? Uh. Also the name of this world has bees because technically right now we do have bees. Yeah. But, it's all a ploy. It's okay. Marketing. Okay. Yes. Well, that's two different stories. So well, let's go. Um, my formative years was spent around a bunch of anarchist punks growing up in punk houses and things of that nature. I played a lot of punk music, a lot of hardcore music. I played grindcore music. Um, but as punk scenes started dying and a lot of those people, how do I word this nicely? Um, I guess moved on to different things. How about I, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I tried to start a post-rock band and that was very hard to do here. Nobody wanted to do it. Um, we had a really active scene between like the aughts into the early 2010s, but then as time went on, it got, it died. Where I grew up, Lewiston, there was, there was a punk scene. There's not anymore. Um, we just have Bangor in Portland and that's it. And uh, I spent a lot of time trying to start one to the point where I actually moved out of the state. I moved to Seattle to try to uh, start something there. And I couldn't start a post-rock band. I, I had really good musical experiences out there, but nothing. I come back here and next thing I know, I'm in a post-rock band. Uh, <laughs> I, but this, this buddy I was jamming with right after I moved back, um, he sent me a Craigslist ad saying that this dude wanted to start a thrice 
cover band or like post hardcore like sort of stuff and i'm just like uh i don't know man i don't want to play thrice i don't like thrice that much and he's just like just go so i did and we jammed on a thrice song and then i found out they liked seeger ross so from there things started going towards the post rock end and then we picked up brandon who pushed us even further towards post rock and then the guy who started the band moved to maryland and is now in oh, a band well. called sullen brother sullen brother is another great post rock act yeah out of maryland yeah so and yeah. now we we have keith so keith joined us 2017 i think it was 16 no cuz i was I, I was living in Seattle 2016. Uh, time just goes by. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, what day is it? <laughs> it's Groundhog Day oh. all over again. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah so would... it, it just basically, the band started as something else, and quickly it became everything that I wanted it to be, um, one way or another. So that's well, how we're here. So from, from my perspective, I had... I moved to Maine and um, I had been in different bands doing all kinds of different stuff, but I was really into Sigur Ross and, and um, some other ambient stuff and some more alternative things as well, but not as much into the, you know, the, the punk and the, and the metal and post metal and Brandon. All, the thing is all four of us have such incredibly different musical backgrounds and things that we're into. So it is kind of a miracle that we all landed in a place where we're all really into what we're doing. But I had reached out, um, to Brandon randomly and he and I had met for the first time and got beers and just talked about post-rock bands that we really liked and then I think we got together and just like you know played some music at his apartment when he lived in Portland and then kind of lost touch and then maybe a year or so later I was in another band and um, I saw a posting that uh, actually I didn't even see it a guy who was in my band with me said hey what do you know about post-rock and I'm like oh I love post-rock he's like yeah I think I'm gonna go try out for this band and I'm like, oh, there's a post-rock band in Maine that's looking for members? And he's like, yeah. He's like, do you know a guy named Brandon? And I'm like, yeah, I know Brandon. So immediately I called Brandon and said, hey, first of all, what's up? It's been a while. <laughs> Second of all, if you're in a band and you're looking for guitar players, why didn't I get a phone call? And he's like, I just thought you would respond if you were interested. And I said, ah, dude, I would love to do it. So, you know, it was, um, and that was when Will was, you know, Will was moving on and moving to, to Maryland. So. Um, I kind of came in, I'm the, the newest member, um, but that's weird know, I, to hear. It is weird to hear. That's weird um, to hear. Yeah. But it's well, uh, actually our first show ever. And the first time Keith ever saw the band was upstairs at my house. It was our first and only show with Will. And we played um, off our first EP with this current lineup. Uh, there's a song called uh, the thousand yard stare off our first EP nearer. And uh, that is a song that we had written with Will. Um, originally, which is the only song that survived that lineup of the band that we continue to play to this day. Because um, it, it was our really first big push. People heard Thousand Yard Stare, and then they heard July, and then uh, Near is on the EP Near, but then it kind of got pushed to a few other songs. But um, yeah, Keith came over, and a bunch of other people came over, and we went upstairs to my house and, and played, and then and then that was kind of the same night where Keith was like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to be in this band now. I play guitar. I'm, I'm su it's super in. So um and I had I had moved here, and I've always been in bands, especially in Texas, mainly in like the uh, uh, tech metal, death metal, uh, post hardcore sort of scene. I played. Um, I've been playing extended range instruments for a long time. Um, I played seven string for about ten years. I play eight string in this band. Um, just try to get a few more tonalities and and things like that. And uh, I'd just done cover band because Maine, as Keith had mentioned earlier, is such a tourist state where I 
I didn't actually even play guitar in those bands. I played drums just to pick up gigs to play music. So I played with a country band for a few months or I played with an alternative rock band that played um, Eve Six songs over and over and over and over again um, to tourists. And then we did this and it finally kind of got settled and we decided, hey, we're gonna take this seriously. Let's try to make an EP. Let's try to really refine the sound, especially coming from um, Bill, our drummer who's not here, is super into prog metal uh, between the Buried and Me and um, Dream Theater and bands of that nature and, and other stuff too. He also was obviously a big post-rock fan. Uh, but we were like, how can we take elements of all these things and try to make something that we'll like and that anybody will listen to? And to our knowledge, um, we're the only live playing post-rock band in Maine. There is another post-rock band, but they are only a studio band. And uh, I don't even know if they're together anymore. So we kind of got onto the scene um, our first ever show was in Cambridge in Massachusetts um, in this really peculiar basement where I'm very convinced the gentleman who owned the bar was a massive heroin addict um, <laughs> while we were there, but I'm not quite sure. Um, we came in and he didn't have his shirt on and he was sweaty. And he was like, you can't be down here. You have to leave. I'll call you. And it was just really peculiar. Um, so we just kind of started doing that. And then people started hitting us up on the Instagram and Facebook and you want to play a show? We hear you do post-rock. Uh, the most of our, our shows that we play tend to be metal bands. We're, we're the one band in the lineup that's not a metal band, um, typically. Or we play with really indie rock, like super indie rock bands. Um, but yeah, the original members of the band, I guess, are Bill and Drew. And then I came in, and then Keith came in, and here we are in whatever year it is. Um, we just released a song during a pandemic, which was probably a really dumb idea, but we did it anyway. A um, song, quote-unquote... <laughs> <laughs> being just under 15 minutes yes uh you have to, tight, i mean that, that's post wrong for you that's uh, yeah 15. yeah really yes. tight 15 really yeah. tight 15 yeah yeah it could have been longer you know if we really tried let me tell you it could have been really longer because we kept going into the studio to work on parts and refine things and then we would do like the whole beginning intro part that's very ambient and cool was uh was a concept of something we'd been doing kind of when we played that song live and it was like, how do we duplicate this in the studio? And it was kind of like, a, let's get it. It was the only only time we've ever recorded something where we're all four of us playing at the same time in the studio live instead of tracking it. So it was even like, is this even going to work? How is this even going to sound? So that was all played, all the instrument parts in that were played live together, you know, you know, with um, all the amps mic'd and everything. And we could have done that for, we could have done that for 15 minutes and then kicked into the song. Um, but Andy Porta from Black Cat Sounds, who um, does a lot of our, uh, a lot of the production engineering for us, um, I think he does a great job of reining us in a little bit and said, "Hey guys, this is a cool intro. Here's what we can do. We can add. There's a little bit of a rain kind of sound effect with a little bit of. We can add some drum parts, a little extra percussion. But let's keep it tight. Let's keep it tight. Um, so, but yeah, that man, we make jokes about that, and a lot of people who aren't familiar with post rock say, "Oh my God, this sounds." This song's 15 minutes. Your shortest song is like seven and a half minutes. And it's like, yeah, but you know, it's a journey. It's a journey. And, and that, and that, that leads me to everything because uh, what people don't understand about post-rock it is all about the atmosphere. It's all about the storytelling. Uh, uh, while, you know, some, my, some bands do have vocals, you know, uh, Oh, Hiroshima. Uh, mm. I know, uh, uh yeah. past, uh, past, uh, uh, groups that we've had like loom and, and pillars pillars first started out of Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, it started with, uh, vocals and everything. And, and, 
it's it's all about atmosphere building, storytelling building. It's a journey. It makes you stop and listen. And 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 being from the radio industry and you're in this world of like songs going from two and a half minutes to at the large end four minutes and even when a song reaches about four minutes people are getting you know tired of it so so yeah so you're going into that world and you're going to post-rock where at minimum a song could go seven eight nine ten minutes long and it's one song what i like about this world has bees however is while one song quote-unquote i'm using finger quotations for those who are just listening um While it is one song of 15 minutes, it feels like, and it flows like, it's multiple songs. That's what I really enjoyed. And while Nearer from 2018 was built as like an EP, it was right where you left it on July 2019. And I can tell by the color of the sky, which you'll hear in this episode uh, uh, this year, you know, those two songs sound like multiple mini songs in one. It's like movements. That's what I like mm-hmm. to describe it as. Especially it was right where you left it. Um, that song had taken a long time. And we were even talking Over about scrapping it at one point. Yeah, it took us a year to write that song. Because yeah. there's so many little... I mean, Keith wrote the uh, the instrumentation for the violin and the cello that's in the middle of that song. We had some we had some friends perform that live in the studio. Um, that's not just a keyboard. Um, those are people playing. Um, yeah, it just took a long time for the instrumentation. And after we kind of stopped and looked at the parts... And the way it built, it was really like movements. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from trying to stay true to what the genre is. Um, a lot of modern post-rock bands, I think, really push the post-metal thing, which isn't bad. I'm not, I mean, we, we do the same. We have some post A song that we have that's unreleased actually is extraordinarily heavy. Um, I'd say it's post more post-metal than post-rock. Um, uh, and a lot of bands really push towards the metal, making it, uh, I wouldn't say structure. It's not like it was a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. Um, but there's more repeating moments and it was right besides in those movements, nothing repeats um, in color. Of the sky is a movement that kind of, you know, arcs like a, it goes up and down. So even though it's a lot of the same notes and a lot of the same chord progression, it does different things through, uh, through feel the drums might change. There might be a different effect. Uh, the bass might go to a lower register. And those are things that we try to keep the genre interesting. Um, you know, but of course you got to sit through 15 minutes of it to get it. So that's the, that's the real detriment. Well, it color of the sky was uh, actually a very new thing for us because there's only like two real parts of that song. Whereas other songs have like 12, you know, it, to, in order for us to actually, and this was something like the bulk of the band is like scared of is to have a part sit for a while. Um, so we were pretty progressive in the fact that, we have a lot of changing parts. I mean, in general, my problem with post-rock is that a lot of bands keep the listener in a space where they're, where they're not completely in a trance state, like ambient music, and they don't really take an engaged listener to different places while listening to the song. I just don't think that music should be listened to passively and unless you're trying to get entranced. But barring that, um, I attempt to make music that takes the listener places. And I think post-rock by itself can't produce a broad spectrum of emotions and it kind of limits the highs and lows a listener can experience. So like, because of this, I think the part changes are important. And because of this, I think it's important that we're mixing in elements of ambient metal, doom, sludge, um, and just to make things as cathartic as possible, because that payoff is, I think the most important part of post-rock in general. 
and the journey that it takes you. I can under I can understand that because you know the first time I went to the post festival two years ago, like there was at points, and my wife came with me, who's you know I was more into post uh, rock music than she was, but she was getting into it, and at times she was just like, I got to sit down, like this is like making me almost fall asleep. Not necessarily in a bad way or in a boring way. It's just like like you said, Drew, is like it puts you in kind of in a in a trance state, and I can understand a lot of acts like are kind of going for that mood, you know, they're kind of getting you into that like that that like the, the deeper sense of, like almost high like state but with you know this world has bees you want those ins and outs you want those tr- you know corners changing you don't want to necessarily go back to the the structures brandon said of like verse course verse course bridge you want the ins you want the ebbs and flows of everything you know if if, if somebody could be bored and excited in the same song i think i've done my job uh that's how i'll take that so um yeah, I, it's the greatest thing about writing this type of music is that there's nobody to hold your hand. Uh, the guide is very much self-oriented. Um, uh, we often get asked, like, are you guys, you know, and we 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 have vocal sections. Um, pretty much only in it was right where you left it. There's the poem that we have, and then there's a part where Drew speaks, but they're not the forefront of the song. Um, voice is a texture and voice is an instrument. Uh, but the instrument itself should be wherever that journey at that point in time that you're listening to. I mean, I, like all, like I'm, I'm sure people as you can, you know, you might listen to a song from five years ago and then you listen to it today and it has a complete different meaning. And I think that like, that's, what's really great about this type of music is that depending on where you're at in your life, um, it may take you somewhere else as opposed to like a vocalist guiding your hand, which isn't a bad experience. Cause I, I listen to tons of music with vocals, um, but I'm looking for a specific experience.
I, I feel like, and that, and, and post-rock makes you stop and listen to that experience, you know. I, I feel like this this genre of music makes you start to listen from front to back um, mm-hmm. while, you know, regular music can, you know, bounce around. So I think that kind of helps you, you know. It, it, it helps in the era of you're, if you're the type of person who likes to listen to music, like, for example, like on vinyl, where you, you sit down and you listen, you cannot jump around, you cannot skip around, you, you listen to everything from front to back as the as the artist or the, the person making the music wanted to, while other genres, which kind of then hinders post-rock, which is of people who wants to listen from like a playlist, like Spotify or Apple <laughs> Music, that like will j- bounce around. Like, don't get me wrong, I discovered you guys and got hip to this uh, world has bees from a Spotify playlist of a lot of the post-rock music, which is great. But at the same time, that's one portion of a full picture that while it may work for yourself, it also hinders post-rock bands because it's hard to like release a single, so to to speak, of a post-rock band. It's possible. It works. It's a preview. But in the grand scheme of things, that one song is one part of a bigger story while a single out of uh, like a you know uh, you know a regular radio rock band or a pop music can stand alone by itself and then also can be part of a grand, grander scale. Does does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. Um, that's one of the beautiful things about um, this genre and even modern day like music industry. If you're a, a working person or somebody that has to have a career and music isn't something you can do full time, um, then you you have the ability to reach these people at moments in time and. Uh, it kind of goes back to the whole, you know, the song is almost 15 minutes long. Well, if you have 15 minutes to spare, maybe it's the only thing you're ever going to hear from us. At least it took you on a journey. And the cool thing about it is it's on things like Spotify and Deezer and Google Play and whatever the other streaming stuff is. Um, you know, where Post Rock dwells and World Has Post Rock on YouTube are huge purveyors of this type of music. And I feel like they've done a really good job of pushing the genre forward and showcasing artists, not only from the U.S., but from Russia and Iran and all of these countries you wouldn't expect instrumental music to be played. Um, and that's why I think the post-art community is such a vibrant thing, because even though we aren't, most of us aren't on our labels that get paid to pay our bills and our mortgages. Most of us aren't doing this stuff, but we're always going to have a platform because it's always going to be in. The music has always been something that somebody will come back to. Uh, like, I mean, I, I'm not an expert by any means, but look at dubstep. I remember in the early 2010s, it was the hugest rage, and maybe it's because I'm not really part of it anymore, but is Skrillex doing anything? Obviously, he's a millionaire. Allegedly. (laughs) Uh, I think the new hotness right now is Marshmallow. Uh, which okay, is not so, even dubstep, which is just like the DJs of like teaming up with other bands, other pop artists, or even a rock artist. Like I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a day to remember, but the first time I heard a day to remember, Marshmallow was super fucking d- that's dissonant in my. That's a thing. It was a mm. thing. It's not bad of a thing. It's not, yeah, I didn't not, know that. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad of a thing. Don't get me wrong. I love a day to remember. I can appreciate a lot of pop music for what it is. Um, you know, it's not my go-to, but I, you know, I do a show uh, sometimes on a, on our pop station here in Toledo. You know, uh, it, it's not my forte. It's not my home base, uh, but it's a place that I still feel comfortable in, and I can appreciate a lot of the music for what it was and what it is. Um, 
this I'm so just like infatuated with this world. That's why I like I'm very happy. Like a lot of these, you know, online video uh, home editions of the podcast have involved a lot of post rock bands. Uh, you know, it, it's so interesting to you know get in touch with these these type of music and these acts that have come through or want to come through but can't right now due to everything. But it's so tight knit and like meeting all these people and these bands and everything. You know, from the first post festival and I still continue talking with them throughout the years that's that that means something that's a connection uh with some of these artists and and this music that i've never felt a connection with other necessarily other scenes not like it's not there but it's it's just i i i feel it more with this there's a lot more of a healthy competition especially Mm -hmm. coming i don't know maybe you as well drew uh and possibly even keith but um coming from a metal background uh, where competition is very, very heavy, and it's very much like who can outshred or outbreak down or out heavy the next person. Post rock definitely is like you're just doing your thing. I appreciate the type of thing that you're doing. Um, you know, our first encounter with any post rock band, uh, Keith had mentioned uh, Andy Porter from Black Cat Sounds, who does a lot of our uh, recording and mixing. Uh, so does Sam Stoff. Both of those guys are in West Meets West, um, and. Andy lives here in Maine. So we ran into them and they kind of introduced us to more of the scene. Uh, you know, Geary's from New Hampshire. Uh, those guys, Glacier, uh, Massachusetts, you know, we're all kind of up here and a lot of the bigger, you know, Pillars is obviously out West in the Midwest, but um, a lot of the post-art bands in New England know each other and it's kind of a click and you kind of like see each other at shows and you randomly do stuff. And um, it's just a really neat little group of people. We had the opportunity to, to interview Geary and they were, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. tremendous. Yeah, Gary's great. great. We love those guys. We absolutely love those guys. We've played a couple shows with them. We had them up here in uh, we had them up here in Portland for a show last year. Had an absolute blast. I'm really oh, excited yeah. for a yeah, lot Har- of their stuff. Harbor so. Lights, Pray for Sound. Those guys are also up here. Like good stuff. You know, it's it's good. It's good. Caspian, even though we're uh, literally never going to meet or be on the level of those guys, um, Caspian's incredible. So. I had the opportunity to go see Caspian live in June, and then it got canceled because of everything. Oh, so, yeah. like, yeah, I was I was like that too. I was like, oh, they were going to be in Detroit on June first. I was like, fuck, I'm going to lose that. And I was sad. And like when I saw the notification, hey, coming up, Caspian in in Detroit. I'm like, but it's canceled. I can't. Well, same go. thing. Uh, Post yeah. New England, which we played last year, mm-hmm. um, and then that got canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caspian wasn't going to be in Boston, their hometown. Canceled. Uh, our drummer already bought tickets to go to Post in indianapolis canceled um everything has just been a slog of like trying to get through anything artistically um i found myself doing things like i'm woodworking why nobody no i just want to play guitar and i don't know why uh, <laughs> it's so hard to get through this climate man it's so tough oh well, that, and then that, that brings me into the question of like what have you done in this climate artistically if anything we haven't been in the same room in over six months i think now at this point we don't even have a practice space, so. Yeah, one of us is immunocompromised and uh, not willing to take that risk. Um, one of us has children, you know, uh, things like that. You're just trying to trying to get through it. Um, speaking of children, Keith, uh, to circle way far back, you want to you want to tell the story again for those who missed it on how we got our name. So the name is a uh, is a line from an indie film that I was in when I was in college where uh, it was a science fiction film that a friend of mine wrote the script for. And uh, it was basically like this, these space pirates that were seeking like their own like pirate homeland, like to establish like a pirate republic. The plot's not important, but they, they land on this planet. And, you know, as they're kind of checking it out and the atmosphere seems good. And one of them is checking out the local 
you know, flora and gets stung by something and is practically on the verge of death because this thing is so, and, and just kind of nonchalantly, one of the other members says, well, at least we know this world has bees. Um, and so, and that was a part of it. It's a really obscure film that, would, that I was involved with when I was back in college. But I always thought that line was funny in a very sort of nonchalant and weird way. You got a 10 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like if they're space pirates, do, how do they know about bees? Once again, plot's not important. They're human. Right, plot's yeah, not don't, don't, <laughs> listen, don't dig too deep into this. Don't. I'm not telling you that the film, you know, was good. I'm just saying that there was a line in it. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's all I'll say. The, the, this world has bees. And, uh, I, and, whether, I, I, and whether or not that's even true can be up for debate. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you go, if you go down like Reddit rabbit holes, and I'm sure people are going to think that bees are drones for the government and whatever. And I, oh, I, I don't have enough aluminum foil to dive into those, those, uh, those uh, ideas uh, from time. To I end, would, but. I would say Drew's been the most productive. I think Drew has pivoted to something that's actually filled a void. I mean, so I've done a couple things. I've been playing music a lot, just trying to get better. And I've been releasing one podcast episode a week. And that is my form of sanity right now in absence of the band. So what's the podcast really, about? Uh, it's true crime or adjacent. Sometimes it's kind of an odd cast. It's called the misery machine. The only reason like we did true crime is because I don't know, being into serial killers and all that stuff in high school, people think you're a weirdo, but now fast forward 10 years, every, everybody's mom is into it now. So apparently it's, it's cool now. So yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, uh, I can talk about that shit all day. So I've been doing that sometimes some current events and some social issues, but, uh, True crime seems to be where it's at right now. So that's what I've been doing. I think we have a good climate for it here. You know, in in the middle of winter at 3 p.m., the sun goes down. So anybody could be outside. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, <laughs> we, we, had one ep- we had one episode where we talked about these unsolved murders in Maine. Uh, like, there's quite a few things in Maine involving murders get cold cased. It's always so very interesting when you when I when I want to talk to people that are either from other places in the Midwest that understand kind of a Midwest mentality, but also it's also really nice to talk to other people that are outside of this and seeing how their point of view and how not only it's the same as a lot of like Midwestern areas, but like how it differs. Uh, from everything and 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 you know it seems like Maine is no different than some places here in Ohio where it's it's passed over it's a tour stop it's whatever so it's hard to cultivate something uh original uh like you were mentioned before you're playing some 41 covers or whatever yeah. or Eve 6 or whatever I think that's what it was and uh you know it's it's hard to cultivate something more you know uh, this town has a huge cover act scene which is fine there's nothing wrong with that. If that's when you want to keep your bucks, that's fine. But I'm in it for the the, the men and women who are, are are cultivating a fresh idea, a new idea, something from up here in in the head or La Cabeza for our Spanish speaking friends of something, an idea, uh, and and putting it out in the in the world, whether it's on you know writing it, art, music, things like that. Well, that's I was the problem with here too. Like, uh, sorry, I'll be really quick with it, Brandon. Uh, that's the problem with here too is that most of the shows around here are suited for cover bands. The opportunities are for cover bands. So that's where the money is. Um, we have very few be- venues that play original music, 
And growing up, it was a lot of basements. It was a lot of playing in people's like living rooms and things like that. And as I've gotten older, those opportunities have dwindled. So it's very hard to have a, a thriving live scene here. Um, and what's left is very clicky. And if you're not in that click, there you go. They're definitely, the bands make rounds. It always seems to be like there's 10 bands and it's always the same four people that just like switch instruments and have a different name. Um, yeah, there are also bands here um, that are extremely avant-garde. I don't know if it's just the way everywhere else, but there, there's a few acts here in Maine that are just artistic for the sake of being artistic. Uh, there's a band that we've played with quite a few times where one dude has a pedal board and plays the accordion. Um, and it's just like a drone of accordion effects music. There's a, there's a guy that, uh, he actually also has a B-based name, um, Aphis Malfiore, and... Um, he has an eight string bass that's just a drone and he has a projector behind him and it just plays like random car drives he did um and that's just 45 minutes of that it's it's like every you know godspeed you black emperors from montreal and it seems like we're only a little bit south so there's a few people that are trying to like create the cinematic experience brandon ID, are... idm theftable yeah, oh, IDM uh, yeah, IDM Theftable. Theftable. Yeah, yeah that's another, that guy's crazy it just yeah. it's effects with uh it's just his voice with, with a bunch objects. of knickknacks yeah yeah he'll like flip cards into the mic on reverb and make a loop and then like it's just it's just crazy noises it's really neat stuff um and that was actually a house show speaking of that sort of stuff some of our best shows that we played here at Maine. not that we haven't had good ones at venues um but have just been like backyards in the middle of july it's just a more personal touch and it's just easier to engage with the audience that way i've never liked stages I like being on the same level as the audience. I just feel like you vibe with them easier. The connection, the energy is a lot better and people seem to be a lot more receptive. I think I think the best show we ever played was just someone's backyard in Portland. I think it was a year back. Yeah, and maybe that's just the punk in me, but those yeah. are the shows I like the most. Really helping a lot of these venues survive. It's been tough for everybody, but especially business owners that are trying to provide a platform for artists to come and, and generate an audience or showcase their talents. Um, and we don't have a lot of those here. Um, some of them that have been here have been here for a very long time and they're kind of staples, but even they're not immune to something like this because nobody has been immune to something like this. Uh, so we're really hoping, you know, there's a, there was a GoFundMe for these places and I, I personally donated, donated to it when it was up. Um, I, a lot of people in the scene did it because we have nowhere else to go. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just going to be basement and backyard shows at this point. Which is not, some can argue that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you need those venues. You need those, you know, local business pe people. You need those, you know, jobs. And it brings it brings acts in because, you know, you're not going to see more and more touring acts like, you know, your Caspians, your, you know, mm -hmm. and other, some of the bigger names, you know, Appleseed Cast, whatever. They're not going to come to somebody's backyard. They're going to come to an actual venue. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it, it helps for that, that aspect. But for the, the punk and the DIY vibe that Drew has talked about, you know, you, you want that kind of in your face on the same level hey we're just like you we're just playing these things louder than some other people um you know and that we're feeling more comfortable at that aspect if this virus didn't happen for some reason or it didn't affect us as a way as it should what was the plans or what are the plans going into the new year keith we had big plans because we were working on something more than just releasing a single and we're, we're proud of the single and you know i can tell by the color of the sky we 
I think all of us had said at some point, this is a, you know, well, I know I said, this is my favorite thing we've ever put out. Um, but we, Brandon alluded to another song we had been working on in the studio, which was very, very heavy and very, almost a, a post-metal, more, way more post-metal than post-rock. And, um, and we had other things as well. And we were eyeing another, at least an EP release, maybe a full length if we, you know, if we could get more writing done. We have and art. We, had, we even had art. Yeah, we had art. Yeah, we done. even have art. Uh, yeah. And we were looking at trying to, you know, play a lot more shows. We've averaged about a show a month in the last couple of years. And we wanted to crank that up and also try to expand our reach. We were talking about going to Montreal. We had an invitation to play in Montreal. We were trying to make inroads and connections with, uh, we played post New England. And we thought that would help us get to post fest out in um, out in the Midwest. And we made some connections with the folks at Dunk, and we're hoping that we could get an invite to play there at some point, and or other festivals in in, in Europe. So those were things on the horizon for us. Um, and honestly, it's it, like Drew said. Now it's to the point where we haven't been in the same room together, and we're talking about, you know, when we get together again, we kind of have to start from you know at writing some new material and and putting some more ideas down on the page so we can get back on track with something that's um, more reflective of probably where all our headspaces are at. And surprisingly enough, you know, like the, the Instagram, Facebook sort of social media world um, has done us a lot of favors. And I don't know if that's a combination of the, the quality of the post in terms of like not being a camera, like a flip phone camera picture. If it had to do with the name, it's a combination of all the thing. It's, it's all a mystery, right? Like we don't, we don't have any marketing people. We don't have anybody that's like, you need to post this at 2 PM on a Thursday and make sure to include these three colors to catch everybody's eye. Like I'm just putting stuff on the internet. Uh, we all are. And so it, it's been really nice to see how far reaching that's been. Um, and we continue to come across things like that. People will reach out and ask us to do certain things, which has been really fantastic, especially just being a band that for the most part has been in this this lineup with writing these sorts of songs even though we've been a band since 2017 it's really been this iteration for a year and a half two years so i, I really feel like it's the start and of course a lot of bands feel that way and uh then this happened and what are you gonna do so a lot of our friends down in massachusetts glacier pray for sound they all had plans to go to all these big things in europe and across the world and now none of us get to do it yeah, I saw Pray for Sound uh, live uh, in uh, at PostFest last year, and they were really oh, incredible. And that, and, and that and that new album they have is is really good. And oh, Waves you is guys, great, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you guys are like almost like up and comers in in the post uh, world, it seems, and like and, and it's really cool to get something like where post rock where post rock dwells getting coverage for that of the on the on the new song um uh for that and it helps just build everything and you know we hope that we we you know people will get into you guys more and you know when you guys come through we'll have an audience and everything like mm-hmm. i i like i love doing something like this because I, I love connecting with people and if we can help at least one other person get in touch with some of the music that these artists that need more coverage for in the in the in the in the ocean of music uh that it is then that that always helps and any any bump is a good bump any news is good news any plays is good plays um so and we, we hope for the best for this world has bees yeah um, can't, you can't say thank you enough for this by the way yes absolutely we're very very glad and i like and i like your music and it's really cool and uh i can't wait for more if we want to get in touch with this world has bees Outside of being uh, from a space pirate ship, how do we do so? Um, we have Facebook, Instagram. I thought we had a Twitter at one point, but I think that died. 
um, you can go to Bandcamp. Our email address is thisworldhasbees at gmail.com. Uh, you could send a carrier raven. Uh, we are from the north. We all are trained in ravening. Um, any of those things. Just yell really loud. I guess I'll hear you. Who knows? <laughs> Instagram's probably the best way to contact us if you want to contact, or the email. Um, and I think the Instagram's the one that's updated the most. Thanks, Brandon, for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the podcast is a Twitter account. I barely use Twitter. I don't like Twitter, but you know, Facebook and Instagram is where it's at for me. So I've never understood Twitter. I'm probably never going to understand Twitter. And most people I know that use Twitter say it's really bad for their mental health. So it, it I really stay away. is. It really is. I like. I, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so I follow some pro wrestling companies and and people on that. But that's about it. Uh, I, I feel like Twitter's only good if you if you are pulling so much more or you're willing to you know put out content on Twitter that is mayor mayor you know it doesn't necessarily have to follow the algorithm as much as Facebook and Instagram does but I it, it, Twitter is 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 very toxic Conway Conway Twitter is so toxic Twitter, is he Twitter. still alive? Uh, is he still alive? No. I don't think so. No. Out of all the yeah. social medias, out of all of the social medias, Twitter definitely feels the most like shouting into the void. It really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Facebook is like shouting out from your backyard. Twitter is shouting <laughs> into the void. Yeah, absolutely. Instagram is shouting into internet tubes. Yes. The series yeah. of tubes. You're absolutely tubes. right. Yes. Not yes. a big truck. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, go check out This World Has Bees. They're a great post-rock deck. And uh, get in touch uh, and see some great other post-rock uh, music. Um, uh, uh, one, one final question. like what post Music-wise or even post-rock-wise, uh, what have you gotten into as of late? Keith. Um, honestly, if I'm being 100% honest, I've been getting into classic blues and really digging it and digging the a lot of the guitar instrumentation and tone you know uh i'm a relatively new guitar player too i've been did a lot of bass and stuff um but learning more it's been fascinating ride and i've learned so much from brandon too learning more about tone and uh instrumentation and stuff like that so i feel like i'm going backwards now where i, I think a lot of guitar players start with like learning blues and rock where i kind of came onto it and said like no don't you play this with a bow like the guy from Sigur Ross does and don't you you know don't you have three guitars across your band with ebos like explosions in the sky and now I'm going back and being like oh right Jimi Hendrix and BB King and Buddy Guy and all that kind of stuff oh and, and course. Muddy water. <laughs> course. And, oh there's a pentatonic scale who knew no, no effects <laughs> you know that sort of thing but it's been you know I I still listen to a lot of the bands um in uh in uh, that a lot of the we mentioned I, I really enjoy listening to the bands that we've met because i feel like there's something really there's something that seems really personal about this music i feel like i've poured more of myself into the stuff that i've written for this band and that makes me think the other bands have too so listening to geary means more to me because i know those guys listening to pray for sound and west meets west and harbor lights and you know gosh i mean even loom and resin you mentioned loom before we played a show with we'll those, guys. those guys they were great. Yeah. yeah you know um listening to their stuff and you know, um, has been really meaningful. And I don't know, it just, it, maybe that's just kind of in this weird time where I'm sort of isolated, you know, with my family, but isolated, kind of looking for a little bit more of a connection beyond just the people I share a house with 
um, kind of remembering those days. My wife caught me the other day watching a, um, there's a concert of ours on YouTube, um, the full, full thing. And um, I just put it on my phone and was just watching it. And my wife didn't see what I was watching, but she said, what are you watching? You look so sad. And I said, and I said, I'm, I, I didn't realize I had a sad look at my eye, but I'm watching the, the show that we did at the Athenian Theater back in uh, October. And she said, oh my God, you really miss playing music. And I said, I miss these guys and I miss the music and I miss, you know, the other bands that we got to know and, and hearing them play live and all that kind of stuff, the whole experience of it. So um, that, all that means a lot to me. And I think that says a lot about post-rock and a lot about the scene too. Drew, you want to go? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've, I'm been I'm all over the place musically. I've always been all over the place musically. Um, I've been listening to a lot of gothed out '80s post funk music. I've been listening to some retro wave, some grindcore. Uh, this morning I was listening to a Miles Davis playlist. So I hope that kind of sums up how chaotic I am. Yeah, I can feel that. I understand. Um, I would highly recommend listening to the new Protest the Hero, Paula Pest. Um, I'm a massive protest the hero fan and those guys are incredible um i've also recently discovered uh the songwriting expertise of culture wall he's like um a modern day johnny cash got a very deep gravelly voice it's not it's not country it's just a story it's not no it's not necessarily in a uh a time signature he just does a really good job and then uh to kind of go even further than that um i've been really into the i, I don't know how to. I'm just going to call the metal. I'm sure there's a million different subgenres. Um, Spirit Box. I really think Spirit Box is, is great stuff. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that, that country guy you mentioned, is that like Jandek? Is it kind of like Jandek? Uh, Jandek? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I like because that what you made it sound like. It sounded like Jandek. I check him out after and tell me after this is done. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't recommend Culture Wall. Um, he has a, a song called The Devil Wears a Suit and Tie, and it's a, it's a really good story. Okay. I can dig it. I, I feel like I've just been bouncing around from, uh, uh, in, uh, you know, I guess you could say post-hardcore band uh, uh, from UK, Barry Tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, another band that I've recently, we had on the podcast before, it's a two-piece Detroit uh, act called American Arson. Um, oh, cool. uh, they, they've done a lot of like live looping and, uh, things like that at their shows. And, uh, you know, they recently put out an awesome album. So I've been bouncing around between those albums and then just jumping around for whatever plays when I, while I'm, while I'm working on stuff. Uh, you know, I recently got a record, a new record player and Ooh. I, I still need to get all the shit to, to plug it in and put, and put it up so <laughs> I can listen to vinyl again. Um, which is the hard part. Uh, the rec- trying to find a good, pre- decently price receivers the hard part um i have it's everything easy else. to collect it's easy yes. to collect not easy to play it no absolutely not so that's where i'm at right now so hopefully i can start playing uh, even though i have like four records waiting on pre-order to come out later this year you know i can't play them right now at this at this very moment but hopefully I just have random vinyl lying around. I don't have a record player anymore. This is shrink wrap. This is like an old receiving end of sirens demo. So yeah, I just 
I feel you there. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I've, I've recently bought during like Bandcamp and some of the the sales of like you oh, know, yeah, the proceeds go. Yeah, doing the sales of like you know Black Lives Matter or like you know the yeah. defense fund yeah. and everything, and I would buy stuff from there, and I was just buying albums from people. I still can't play them yet. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Like I picked up the Loom Resin Split, which seeing that live was fucking incredible. So now I picked it up on vinyl because I know there was like a different version of mastering it for digital and for vinyl. So I'm really excited to whatever I can hook it up to listen to it on vinyl. Because uh, seeing it live was just crazy incredible. Uh, like a, the Post Festival did a pre-show last year called Post is Doomed, and they That's did right. the, they did Loom Res they did a live Loom Resin split, and that was nuts. Like that was that was one of my favorite sets of the whole weekend, and it wasn't yeah, even we- part of the festival. When we when we played with them, um, they were extraordinarily loud. They are very loud bands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish when we played with them, they were playing like all as one unit, like where you were talking about. Because I would have killed to see that live. Oh, oh, it was. It was crazy. Like, Loom started, and, like, the lights were down low, and they had, like, these lamps, and then, they're, like, it, it's so... Loom played, and it was, like, almost, like... It, it, it almost, like, seamless, because Loom went off the stage, and then Resin came in, and Resin's from Chicago area, as well as uh, some of the members of Loom is. And, and then they Resin played, and then Loom kind of jumped back in, and they just, like them playing together and just like there was like an interlude of like both drummers going at it at the same time and it was just it blew my mind seeing that live so yeah great acts that we've talked about tonight so go check them all out uh and of course follow this podcast because as i spit everywhere uh follow this (laughs) podcast uh on all the social media facebook twitter and instagram it's at on the radar pc subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice and if you have an opportunity to leave us a review, please do so. It helps us out. And subscribe. Never miss an episode. Cool stuff happening, even though the uh, the Rona is still going strong right now. Uh, stay home. Stay safe. I am Peapod. You are you. And uh, thank you so much for listening to another great episode of the On The Radar Podcast. Oh.